Art Yourself Alive podcast with your host Vicky Parker, sharing lived experience stories of the power of creativity to support your mental health and well-being. Hello, so welcome to this podcast episode and today I have an absolutely wonderful guest. Um, I want to introduce you to a lovely, lovely friend called Renek Aiken. Renek, hello, how are you my love? Oh, I'm good. It's so lovely to be here with you, Vicky. Looking forward to our chat today. Oh, me too. Me too. Thank you so much for coming on. So let me just tell our listeners a little bit about you. Um, mm-hmm. So this is Renek, and she is a visibility mentor for soulful business owners and creatives. And she uses poetry and energy work to transmute visibility blocks. So you can actually share your own unique wisdom and creative create magnetic connection with your people. And that mission is about being seen and being known and being valued. And I absolutely love that. I totally resonate with that. Um, It's such a delicious, it's such a delicious journey to go on, isn't it? Initially, when you realize that something creative can be that transformational for yourself. Mm. Yes, absolutely. It's incredible. It's magical, actually. It's absolutely magical. And we're going to get into the magic and the treasure of why you have trodden that path. Like so many of us have trodden that path and are bringing our work out into the world. So let's weave our way right back and let's move right in to where that magic begins for people. And so, as we know, on this podcast, we talk about people's childhood play so that we can give people an opportunity to reconnect with those precious memories of themselves, of that spark and that creative spirit that they had for themselves. And so with every one of my guests, I invite them and I'm inviting you right now to share with us some of your magical play memories. Could you do that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I was another speak more about this but I was so shy as a child so I and I was uh, two two sandwich between two boys uh, and an older sister who was a tomboy so I was this kind of little sensitive child who was really scared and not up for running around and climbing trees and being boisterous like they were so play for me was being out in nature was speaking to the fairies and you know making um playhouses for the the fairies but also there was a beautiful um way of playing for me with the with the, a friend of mine who lived across the fields and we would walk across the fields to connect and one of the things that we loved to do was go through plowed fields and pick up little bits of broken crockery and we had this rusty biscuit tin that we would put them into and we'd tr- see if we could piece some bits together and for me that way of you know, digging in the soil to see what treasures we could find and find discovering the hidden patterns underneath the soil as we, we rubbed them clean and then seeing if we could put the pieces together. Mm. Uh, and I was just, that was just so magical for me. It was so gentle. It was so creative. And it really brought in, you know, when I look back, I can see now that that kind of digging down into the dark places recovering the treasure joining the dots you know seeing the patterns is still so something that's so alive for me to have so to have found that in that simple way mm-hmm. of playing with a friend one-on-one very quietly in this in nature is something that was really really magical and a memory that's that stayed with me mm-hmm. you're talking about nature where in the world did you grow up I grew up in Ireland, so mm-hmm. it, it close to the border with Northern Ireland, so in between Dublin and Belfast on the East Coast. And at that time, you know, where this memory comes from, we were living in this gorgeous place uh, near the Mourne Mountains, overlooking the sea. It was incredible place of 
very ancient Irish legends from that region. Uh, and it was absolutely magical spot. Loved, loved that place, you know, that we lived. And we moved around quite a bit as a, as a child, so we didn't stay there for, um, as I got older, but it was a really beautiful place. Mm, and I read somewhere on your website, I think it was, that you were, you were the child that had your head in the book. Yes. Yeah. And often it was books about the Irish myths and legends. You know, I was very fortunate that uh, even at school, you know, the, the reading books that we got at school were a lot of them were Irish myths and legends. Mm -hmm. And also at home it's what my mom would read to us. And I could read, you know, uh, pretty much as soon as I went to school, I could, I could, I learned how to read really quickly. So like my older sister would get a new book from school and I would read it that evening and then give it back to her. <laughs> but I loved this old um, magic and myths and storytelling of, um, yeah, these ancient Irish heroes and the fairies and the magical world, the other world. It was uh, something that I loved, you know, growing up. Um, mm. yeah. Were you able to communicate with that world in any way? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, you know, I would certainly connect with the, with the fairies and had lots of, yeah, I had a deep connection, you know, with the land, you know, and my parents would say, what do you want to do for your birthday? And I'm like, I want to go up the mountains, you know, so I just wanted to go to these magical places. That was, you know, all that I wanted to do and, you know, be in nature and, you know, and really um, connect in with, uh, the fairies so the fairies in in Ireland are a bit like the elves and the lord of the rings you know so you, yes you've got the little nature spirits but you've also got these very ancient um majestic magical beings who mm. used to inhabit the whole land and then disappeared underground when the Celts came along and um, so they uh, they backed off but they were uh, very powerful people in Irish mythology mm. Uh, yeah, and so that that connection is still there. You know, I, I definitely have a very strong connection with with fairies still, and I think it gives me that the intuitive sensitivity where I could feel what's going on for people energetically. As a child, that was I, I thought there was something wrong with me because you know I was picking up what other people were feeling and didn't know. So I thought, oh, it was part of why I was so shy is because I always felt awkward around other people. It took me decades to figure out. It's like, oh, I'm actually feeling what everybody else is feeling. It's not mine. Um, that was a that was a big one. So I think that those magical abilities can take a while to come to terms with. Yeah, I totally resonate with that as well. It's it's like your your experience is so full, and you don't understand that other people aren't having that same kind of experience as you. So it's like you are actually never bored. <laughs> you don't need to be out with everybody playing out on your bikes or you know being in yes. a massive friendship group because your world your inner world is so rich already and as you're describing not only your energetic understanding of what's happening or your energetic experience of what's happening around you as a child but it's also being fed with the myths and legends of the tales of the land that you were brought up with I mean mm. it's got it means I remember a quote once about Tolstoy having like that the population the population of the mind of Tolstoy how could he ever be bored yes or something like that I'm like wow this this that, that's your experience totally yeah I, it was never bored yeah could never be bored not possible and that's a really interesting um insight to have isn't it that because you can witness um children from the outside as being the shy quiet one mm. you know in the corner and as a teacher I witnessed many many you know children like that Shame for them sometimes as a drama teacher for me, you know, I'm trying to pull them out into their visibility and embodying their presence and getting them to be, you know, verbal about it. But actually, there's such a presence in the silence and the stillness and mm -hmm. the observational role. And yes. what I'm hearing you saying is that observational take on what's there just around you and the tuning in. Mm. Right. It does take decades for you to see how powerful that actually is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And had you been, you know, my drama teacher and trying to get me in front of a group, I would have resisted. I would have been, no, it would have been the worst thing ever. It's like, do not put me in front of people. Just that, you know, huge, huge self-consciousness and wanting the grand to open and swallow me. I was just, that was so intense. So it was like visibility, the last thing on my list. And I thought like being an actor would be like the worst job ever 
Be like, no. <laughs> that was how shy I was. I know. I totally get it. I, I mean, I do understand that about you know, the many hundreds, if not thousands of children I taught drama to. Um, mm. But there is a way of allowing drama in the classroom to be about self-empowerment and not about yes. being a big show, showy show off, yeah. you know, and, and that's what I understood from my whole experience of acting and teaching drama is that this life skill of being able to find that sense of your own presence. Yeah. You know, if Stanislavski t- could teach you anything is you could sit on a stage and be silent and draw the focus to you because if you knew what your intention was to be there and you sat and accepted that intention, you didn't never need to say anything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, that, so- and that's where I got to in the end. And it was, it was poetry that helped me to yeah. flip that switch and um, took a few decades was poetry (laughs) evident then in your childhood not especially then it was more stories you know I loved language I love books I love stories uh, but not especially poetry Uh, I think that came later uh, and it might have been to do with the English teachers I had but that that it didn't light up for me and in a way I think it was a good thing because I know a lot of people that I work with have got you know their uh, poetry trauma or the school poetry is not for me stuff you know a lot of people have got that because of what they got at school which is really sad because I've never ever heard anyone say music is not for me Never have I ever said music is not for me because it's like, okay, there's going to be some kinds of music that you don't like and others that you do. But and music is highly technical if you want to learn how to play it. Um, but those of us you know, who are not musicians, we don't feel and we have been made to feel that we need to understand music in a technical way in order to enjoy it. Whereas a lot of people were left with that, you know, uh, from being taught poetry at school is that if I don't understand this this complex puzzle that I don't get uh, then it's not for me so which is a real pity because um, I feel like there there are poems um, just like there are music for, for for everyone and you just have to let it wash over you like music you don't have to understand you know the the, the nuts and bolts of what goes on underneath mm. I love the way that you've just said that as well, because um, people are often coming out of the education system with wounding around their visual art as well. Mm. You know, they're told that they're not an artist or that, you know, they absolutely heartbreaking what goes on in, in the education system. And you're right. You know, I, yes. I, I've had English teachers. I've had English teachers who I mean, I loved language. I loved story. I loved writing and I love poetry anyway. And I was actually inspired hugely by Miss Davis who was my English teacher mm. she she her and Mrs Zabo who who was my art teacher I don't have no idea whether they're even still alive but I went to an all-girls school with a female headmistress you know and powerful women teachers in the arts mm. so I was incredibly lucky that I had that experience and didn't come out of the other end wounded yeah you know with that mm. but uh, that's what I'm so appreciative of your work that you do that, that you bring people to that space where they can just, just touch on the pain of what it was, what it meant for them to be, you know, to feel so powerless in the face of something like a poem instead of transformed by something Mm. like a poem or by art or by movement or by music or anything like that, you know? So what was the first poem then that really helped you see that this could be transformational for you? Mm. Well, I think the the first poem, you know, is at a stage in in my career where I was really I was had been chasing success and all the external markers uh, of success, and kind of gotten disconnected from my soul's path without knowing it. I've been, you know, chasing the 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 career and the the house, you know, the the dream, you know, kitchen or interiors, and I was even I was in touch with poetry at that time but I was also like studying you know academic like creative writing which was slightly different and chasing the grades and there was this poem called For a New Beginning by John O'Donoghue um, that I came across and I just felt oh my god somebody has written this poem just for me it's like how did you get inside my head (laughs) how did you know And it just kind of came across me magically. I was on a poetry workshop and there was all these poetry bookshops in the beautiful um, farmhouse coffee table. 
And so I just picked up this book and it, the page was already marked. And I was like, oh, this is the one. Um, and it began in, um, in out of the way places of the heart where your thoughts never think to wander. This beginning has been quietly forming, waiting till you are ready to emerge. For a long time, it has watched your desires, feeling the emptiness growing inside you, noticing how you willed yourself on, still unable to leave what you had outgrown. And, and the, the first part of the poem I could really relate to was like, oh my God, that's just me, that's just me. And then the, the second half of the, of the poem is, um, though your destination is not yet clear, you can trust the promise of this opening. Unfurl yourself into the grace of beginning that is at one with your life's desire. Awaken your spirit to adventure. Hold nothing back. Learn to find ease in risk. Soon you will be home in a new rhythm. For your soul senses the world that awaits you. And that's, you know, and I've just shared the, the first couple and the last couple of stanzas, but the, the second half of that poem, though your destination is not yet clear, that freaked me out because it's like, yeah, I, I want to know my soul's purpose, but I want to know what the path is. Show me the destination and then I will take a step. And so this poem was really inviting me to see that I was, that was keeping me stuck and that I really had to trust in the unknown and just follow the breadcrumb trails and come back to trusting that there is a soul's path and that I can find it and that it, you know the energy opens up with it when I did so I, I took that poem and I worked with it for months I would read it every day I'd be reciting it to myself on the tube and just really leaning into it over months and awakening the promise and the energy of the second half of that poem and then that started to bring some magical next steps into my life that really took me including the more poetry training and um, going deep into personal development that really it was a huge shift for me so that was the first time that my life was saved or transformed by a poem that kind of grabbed me by the neck and said this is where you're going but in a way that was so gentle and really just felt so right for me mm. oh I just I love that you shared that I was actually a bit transported myself mm. it's such a beautiful process isn't it to identify with a poem or with somebody else's words at first because you know we might just need that external mirror yeah in the beginning before we can look inside and integrate that and then you know, maybe one day discover what the poetry of our own voice is, yeah. you know, which is absolutely beautiful. So thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. And, so um, the poem, if I haven't shared it, is called For a New Beginning. For a New Beginning. By John O'Donoghue. And I also just love that sentence that you said. I often write down little gold nuggets of things that people say, and it was show, show me the destination and then I will take a step. Yes. Gosh, that's so relevant, isn't it, for this not knowing the not knowing of what's in the future can can become so crippling mm. and so paralyzing yeah that you never take a step yeah and this whole work what the work that you're doing the work that I'm doing with the doodling and the and the blank page the facing of the blank page in itself the blank canvas in itself is about that surrender mm. to I have no idea what's going to happen I'm going to paint or draw intuitively. I'm not going to choose a still life because then I will form an image in my mind of what it might look like in the end. That's yes. not freedom. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's just witness the blank page mm. and have that as a symbolism for the next steps on our path. We may be able to see six steps in front of us, but we can't see 50 steps yeah. in front of us. Absolutely. And also there's um you know, we're often taught, you know, in terms of career planning or, you know, that what's your five-year plan? You know, what are the next steps? And there, there are some things that that's really useful for. If you want to build a house, go make plans. 
know, have your list, have it all, you know, put together. It's really good to, you know, have have plans for stuff like that. If you want to find your soulmate or find your purpose, that's not going to cut it. That process will not work for, for these things, for the deeper unfoldings, you know, of our creativity and our soul. We need completely different processes and ways of being held and holding ourselves for you know the, the the soul the emergence of you know the soul voice the heart voice yeah yeah that's really clear and I really hope the listeners can resonate with that that sense of preciousness and depth and allowing and permission and surrender to realize who you really are and what your what your voice really is yeah and that takes me back then you've already touched on the reason why you know you were a child who played alone or a child who was more into the mystical magical legends of your country but this this focus of shyness let's mm. talk about shyness because clearly in just hearing you now in the way that you present yourself not only in your speaking voice but in your performative poetry voice there's such a presence there's a depth there's a stillness there's a peace in it when you share that that's why I was transformed and drifted off because that's the power of it you yeah. go into your other realmness don't you when mm-hmm. when you hear that but could you just tell me what what is shyness for you because if this is the challenge that we're looking at in this episode yeah how does that manifest what does that look like feel like sense like for you mm, yeah beautiful question uh, well, for, for me, it's often felt like having no skin, you know, so that sense of rawness, you know, of just feeling so raw and so exposed um, and almost like that, you know, feeling the, the judgments, the projections of others. And I grew up in a, you know, big Catholic, busy family, uh, lots going on, lots of, you know, interactions between the siblings and just feeling that, you know, the, like the, the slings and arrows of the, you know, the projections, the judgments, the, you know, petty little conflicts, and just feeling that it was just too intense. So there's that sense of feeling highly exposed and so self-conscious that it just feels excruciating. And also just feeling like I've got no protection, nowhere to hide. It's overwhelming. So, you know, I would often be in tears as a child. I remember, um, you know, my siblings teasing me and calling me a crybaby because that would happen so often. So it's just like, it's like, there's no protection. <laughs> where, where is my protection? So my protection was to go inside. You know, it was the only way I knew of how to protect myself um, because otherwise I would just, I would just freeze you know, literally just freeze and cry and just want the ground to, to swallow me up. So it's, it's, you know, I think that's what I would call it. There's, you know, and the gifts of gentleness that I just had to hide away and didn't know how to, and didn't want to respond in the harsh way that other people responded. Like for, for years as a child, you know, my, my question was, you know, why are people so mean to each other? Because I just felt that meanness so intensely and kids are kids kids are cruel to each other you know um there I see that in my my nieces uh, as well you know and they're they're lovely kids uh, and yet there's always you know a bit of power play and ego going on uh, as well so uh, yeah so that's how it felt to me so having no skin feeling exposed feeling totally overwhelmed and like there was just zero protection around me that others mm-hmm. seem to have so when did that actually begin to change for you then? How far into adulthood did that begin to change? Well, I was in my, um, even in my career, you know, in my 20s and 30s, I would choose positions that did not involve me standing in front of people. So for a long time, I worked in education, you know, from my early 30s, yeah, up to yeah, I think almost my, my early 40s, I worked in, in adult education, but I was like, don't put me in front of a class. I don't want to be a teacher, you know, so I will be the, the manager who supported all the teachers. And when I did have to get a teaching qualification, I taught computers because then they weren't looking at me. <laughs> they were looking at the computer. <laughs> so uh, and I was just so, um, you know, really shy. And then I 
had a hit, I think when I was about 38, um, I, want, I had a hit to do creative writing and I was really scared. I'd always been, you know, loved reading books, but I'd been more of a visual artist because I had a good art teacher at school. But then I thought, oh, there's something in me that wants to, to write creatively. I could write reports. I, was, I knew I was a good writer and professionally, but I was terrified that, oh, I don't know if I've got an imagination or I can write. So I, I signed up for a creative writing distance learning course because that meant I did not have to sit in a group and share my stuff because I was like oh gosh that feels too exposing um, and in doing that and um, that's when I really discovered poetry through through writing you know through creative writing and through poetry and then I discovered this deep you know source of transformation of poetry and I just fell in love and it was through that you know the next few years of exploring you know, writing and also hearing, you know, spoken word and transformational poetry that I thought that's what I want to do. You know, I came across uh, David White, who's a beautiful speaker of, of poems, both his own and other people's. Uh, and then I found, you know, my own teacher, Kim Rosen, who teaches people how to embody and speak poems. But uh, but it was the first time I was like, oh, I want to do that. And for the, so for the first time ever, you know, when I was nearly 40, I was like, I want to stand in front of a group and speak poetry because there was something about poetry that just lit me up from the inside. And when I had that experience of being lit up from the inside, um, I didn't feel like I was receiving other people's projections. I felt that energetically I was transmitting a completely different energy that gave me, in a way, gave me that protection energetically rather than being a sponge I could, you know, really send out this beautiful energy and that completely shifted it for me that I was like, oh yeah, now I want to stand in front of a group and, and share a poem. Mm. Oh, do you know, I'm getting a really interesting image. When you say it lit you up from the inside, it's almost, it's almost like something then inhabited the space inside the skin. And I've got yes. this image from an old science class, actually, of, you know, when you create a vacuum and the, and the can collapses Yes. Because of the external pressure. Yeah. And I was like, wow, look at that, that energetic difference between resonating outwards rather than being in a crippled receiving position. Yeah. That's just become so clear for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And of course, when we work on our self-worth and we work on our, uh, our esteem and our reason for being here and, you know, we can fill up our own heart space and our own energetic space like that. It does that have that effect. Yeah. It really does have that effect. Yeah. That's such a beautiful um, description. And I'm hoping that people who are listening can find that sense of what it is from their inside yeah. that can fill up the space of them. Yeah. So that exactly. they can take their rightful space mm. walking on the planet. Yeah. And that's, that's my approach, you know, to, to what I teach in invisibility, because we, and particularly, um, you know, women, those who are socialized as women, we tend to be horizon watching. We our energy tends to be out there on the horizon on what's around us in the field and kind of being hypervigilant and is it safe? So all of our energy and tension is out there, like on the audience on the other people what do people need how can I meet their needs so I can feel comfortable we're trained we've been trained in that for hundreds and thousands of years and that can create a yeah inherent in that is a lack of confidence because we don't have enough energy in our own core you know we don't have an, and, and it's it's something that's in the collective you know it's how we're brought up but we're not taught, you know, and, and I think men are encouraged to do this in their socialization much more to have much more of their energy inside themselves and to act from their own, you know, uh, desires. So it's, you know, I, I talk about visibility is all about connection, connection to yourself, first and foremost, connection then to source to whatever it is that lights you up, you know, uh, and from their connection to others because we often start with the others and then wonder why it's so hard. But when we're deeply connected to ourselves and that's a process and connected with whatever it is that, that really lights us up and has its sparkle, then connecting to others from that place. And then you, you're, you're not just trying to fit into other people's world. You're actually inviting people 
into your energy field, which is full. Your tank is full. You're inviting people to partake of that. And you're creating a, a whole different dynamic in which to be visible than, you know, what we're often taught. I love that you've outlined that because this is not just a reversal of like some simple thinking that's happened. This is a reversal of deep programming of not allowing women, not just saying to women, oh, that's not who you are as a woman, but the demonizing, the witch wound of the collective and of the divine feminine, you know, to actually punish and diminish and sideline that permission and that surrender for women to allow themselves to connect with their own core of who they are. Yeah. Such fear around women connecting to who they are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's been, you know, uh, economically and on lots of other levels, you know, women giving their energy to others has fueled a lot of, you know, success for others. Yeah. So whoever, whoever those others are. So having us in that position, it's like, well, why would you want to, um, if they, if they stop doing that, who's going to do it? <laughs> I've just got a quote that just came to mind that behind every great man in this is an even greater woman. I'm like, yeah, yeah. but why is she behind him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she doesn't need to be behind him. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, I absolutely love that. So how did it, how does that feel then in an energetic sense, that shift? How would you know that that's happened for you? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, I think it's, um, it's a gradual process in terms of, you know, shifting in, in life, you know, so it is about really embodying, you know, bringing your energy into your body, you know, like the a core essence of who you are. And that's, you know, for me, that's, that's taken decades as well, just really embodying who I am. And it's, it's ongoing process, you know, coming in to your body and having, you know, what is it like when my intention attention is outside of myself on other people and how does it feel when it's inside you know and and playing with that you know that's something that I, I I teach people just so you notice where your attention is and so sometimes that's as simple as instead of looking left I'm going to look right that's a habit of you know I'm going to check in and feel what's inside me rather than what do other people want because as you know we, we've been trained to be pleasers We've been trained to feel that I'm not enough. I have to give more to others. These are really deep, really old collective um, beliefs. So that it's shifting that. And then there's also, you know, I had a really powerful experience when I stepped into CEO role of recognizing that I wanted to be in a leadership role. But when I would go for an interview, I would get all flustered and tongue tied because part of me just did not believe that I could take up space. Like, and this is like this energetically. So whatever, wherever you're playing with this, that this energetically taking up space, um, I just felt like that's just not me. I, I felt that, you know, leaders or people who put their energy out into the world were these kind of large loud charismatic figures and I'm like I'm just not like that I'm you know I'm shy and cerebral and you know quiet spoken so I just didn't identify and didn't think that was possible for me uh, and again there was um I was already working with poetry I asked my, my intuition what poem do I need to work with and I got an answer straight away and I was like no not that one I love that poem but no that's that's just not me and this went on and on and I kept asking my intuition and kept telling me this is the problem you need to work with. And I was like, no, not that one. Uh, and eventually I gave in and I surrendered. And it was in Phenomenal Woman by Maya Angelou. Uh, and I was like, oh, but, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not tall. I'm not black. I'm not this you know, large, charismatic, you know, icon um, that she was. It just didn't feel like me. But when I worked with it, the you know, pretty woman asked me where my secret lies I'm not cute or built to suit a fashion model size when I start to tell them they think I'm telling lies I say it's in the reach of my arms the span of my hips the stride of my step the curl of my lips I'm a woman phenomenally phenomenal woman that's me and so the poem is literally physically inviting you to take up space, to reach out your arms, to, you know, sway your hips, to, you know, really embody yourself. I was so uncomfortable with that. It really, it really stretched me, my identity. 
on you know huge huge levels but it was the the last part of the poem that really hit home for me so now you understand just why my head's not bad I don't have to shout or jump about or even talk real loud when you see me passing it ought to make you proud and so that part of me is like I don't have to keep my head bowed and I think particularly you know as a as in you know being brought up as an Irish woman you know there's a lot of kind of head down you know shoulders up uh, kind of crouching forward looking around you know what does everybody need Irish women in the kitchen or like on top of it you know they'll get everything done they'll go into the kitchen and sort it all out all the food all the other it's just it's built in there but it's it's a lot of focus on looking after others and I literally had this like physical crouch you know is in my posture um and so this poem is I don't have to keep my head bowed and I don't have to talk real loud so it also kind of gave me this permission as I worked deeper and deeper and deeper into these lines and found my own meaning in them and embodied them it's like yeah I can take up space and I don't have to be loud I don't have to be the big loud charismatic leader I can actually be a quiet leader and do it in my own way so you know really I had a lot of support with embodying this this poem as well and you know I was in a group and there was all these these other women that stood behind me as I was working with it really supporting me to embody it so I felt like I had this new collective at my back not just the old ancestral ways of being but this new collective that are saying yes you can do it uh, so embodied this poem and and a few weeks uh, after I did really this really deep work on uh, with Phenomenal Woman um, I had another interview for a, a CEO role and I went into that interview I was speaking the poem to myself in the car before I went in and I was like I can take up space because I'd stretch so much I can you know, stretch my arms out wide, take up space. And, and then I was able to go in and really do my best in the interview and not be flustered and tongue-tied, be comfortable and saying, yes, I can energetically, I can see myself in that role. And I got the job and I was the CEO of a Citizens Advice Bureau. Those of you in the UK would, would know that for five years and completely transformed the organization and was able to show up as a quiet, introverted, shy leader in my own way uh, and big, big transformation. So, but it was the poem that shifted me and it shifted me so much that even a few months after I'd uh, gotten the job, I had to go to a chiropractor to shift some tension in my neck because my energy had shifted so much, my posture had to shift. And so after that, you know, my head wasn't bowed anymore because it released the, the last vestiges of that posture and it, and it completely shifted me you know all levels mentally physically emotionally energetically mm, I just got an image as well um can you imagine that your energetic presence is so big that your body's not big enough to contain you yeah anymore <laughs> yes absolutely. oh what a lovely image yeah exactly the body has to shift to align with yeah what I've shifted yeah and it really will ask things to come up, move through and let go mm. on all levels. Yeah. Physical, emotional, energetic. Oh, that's so lovely. Yeah. So, so that's what you do, isn't it? So we're moving on now into mm. sharing how you bring the arty wisdom of your practices into the communities that you work with. So please tell us what it is that you do for people who are in soulful kind of businesses. Yeah, well, the um, one thing I offer is is a magnetic presence, uh, which is currently an eight week program. I'm, I am thinking of doing it as a three day retreat as well, but it's an eight week program where I help people to to choose uh, and embody a poem uh, over those uh, eight weeks as online. And um, and with that, you know, it begins with you know what is your intention, uh, and then I help I will give people a poetry prescription because I have a a huge library um, of, of poems, both poetry books and about a thousand transformation poems on my computer. And I know them all so I can kind of 
prescribe when people say this is what I want to shift you know I can help give them a selection of poems that they can tune into and find or they sometimes also turn up in other magical ways as well which is beautiful so the the process of choosing the poem that they want to embody is part of that and then you know creating a really safe space where people start to to work with that poem and let it stretch them speaking it aloud letting their body move seeing what it brings up and it just you know both brings up the old that needs to shift and um also embodies the new energy that's there both at the same time and it gives them also that experience of being witnessed being seen you know both in their vulnerability and in their brilliance you know and in their magnificence because both are really vulnerable you know being seen you know vulnerably you know and the, the ugly crying or whatever it is you know the kind of you know the fear um is is really scary but also it's like oh is it safe to really take up space? Because people judge you for that as well. So creating a space where it's, you know, both really safe to be as great, as brilliant, as huge as we want to be. So all of that is welcome in the space and the groups uh, that the people that attract can really hold space for that. So people, you know, em embody and they find their own way with their chosen poem and really make it their own so at the end of that process is almost as if I could have written that myself because it's completely my poem now and you know you might hear two people who've worked with the same poem and they sound like different pieces you know they're completely different because they've they've made it their own it's infused with their own meaning they get to stand up at the end of the program and you know perform that for the group and again be witnessed and celebrated as they emerge and they get to have that experience of fully inhabiting their own energy and and you know transmitting their energy out into the world which shifts that old dynamic of you know looking outside of ourselves for safety it's like this is how you generate your own safety you're because mm -hmm. you're really transmitting that so that's what i do also in my coaching programs you know i, I begin my coaching programs with a similar process in a one-on-one -on -one way and i also do another thing i do is is healing the witch wound you know because that's just something that comes up so often um with my clients and you know i've done a lot of deep energy work over 25 years so where I've cleared things inside myself energetically, that tends to come up in my clients. So it happens a lot that, you know, people are, you know, the one client who was saying, you know, she was scared of doing Facebook lives. And we went, you know, within saying, what are you feeling? What's underneath that? She said, oh, I have a memory of a teacher criticizing me for getting the answer right. And, and I can just feel it's like, mm, yeah. And what's underneath that? It's like, oh, I see myself, I was a community healer and my community betrayed me and I was burned at the stake. And I was like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Let's work on that level. Yeah. You know, we cleared that, we shifted that through the, the energy work. And then the next time I saw her, I was like, hey, you getting on with the Facebook Live? She said, oh, fine. Uh, I think it was a bit tame. Actually, I'm going to come out and do, you know, even deeper cosmic meditation to my profile. <laughs> Uh, to everybody that knows me uh, next time and no problem after that she was doing them weekly she was doing really deep cosmic stuff and she wasn't no longer scared of either her religious family or her you know corporate former colleagues seeing them it was just gone so that's the power you know of doing the the energy work as well so mm. that's the kind of stuff that I do so it's both clearing the deep visibility blocks whether they're from this life from being bullied from being shy from you know old you know it might be you know family relationships and um, clearing that out and also the embodying the new energies and um, so that you can create what's mm. aligned for you yeah. absolutely and I can as I can testify to that as well because um I've done a number of your poetry breakthrough challenges um mm. when you run them in your Facebook group and you can know all that there is to know in terms of business theory. You've got your business plan there. You've got your social media strategy. You've got all of those things that are really important, left brain structural, you know, processes um, yeah. that you need to run a business. But it's not until you drop in 
to that intuitive side of yourself and that and the beauty of it and you find that look, look I think you were saying it before the soul essence that you're aligned with that's when I look at my business as a holistic being and I go this is her heart this is her soul this is the message that she wants to bring through yeah. this is what it's really about mm. everything else is a practical tool yeah but without that essence yeah she's nothing she yeah. doesn't she doesn't know where she is she's she's floating around in the ether and yes we need to bring her through tangibly in a grounded way but if you don't have something to bring through into the tangible what yeah. are you bringing yeah you know, and I'm just really inspired to share a poem with you, actually, mm. um, because you're offering that opportunity for other people to um, take on a poem that already exists in the world and to help them identify with those aspects of their hidden self, you know, to bring them out. My perspective is that because I work in a multi arts way and I'm so grateful for everybody who puts out their energetic creative wisdom you know into the ether and that like I said before that importance of being able to look at something whether it's poetry or art or dance or music and to see yourself in it and to see it represented so that you then have permission to uh, to internalize that and then ma and, and make it your own and actually my I've got this poem it's on my wall now it's mm. called Others um, and I'd really like to share it with you. Yes. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so it goes like this. I need the words wise and wonderful of others for my inner voice to embrace in its lost space, to hang on to, to be less afraid that my truth is alone and unheard. I need the words raw and real of others for my inner voice to grasp onto as evidence that my truth is not false. I need the art, wild and loud, of others to reveal the validity of my inner landscape, to move me beyond the terror of a blackmailed mind and silenced cells. I need the expression, brave and strong, of others as permission to activate the catatonic energy within, so paralyzed by manipulation and afraid to move. I need the music, deep and resonant, of others as a guide to the song inside of a soul here, to break cycles, to rise into forgiveness of the patterns of others, so I may hold the space for others to compose the melody of their new truth. Wow. Wow. Oh my God, Vicky. That's just such a mission poem. Isn't it? That's such a mission poem. Oh. I'm so glad that you've got that in front of you, but that's just so true. It's so true. Like we need, uh, we need to be, to be witnessed, yeah. you know, uh, and it's a bit like these, these words of others are holding space for us to be ourselves. So we can hold space for others to be yes. themselves. Um, <laughs> and there's just, there's so much depth to that poem that you know just you know breaking the cycles yeah. and all of the things that go into your work wow that's yeah that's that's it the that's that's the about me page of your website sorted it's interesting it's, like, <laughs> it's not even on my website it's a poem that I that lives inside me I obviously yeah. it came through me Yes. And, uh, and it is, I wrote it because I was giving a talk, um, a public talk about creativity and resilience. Mm. And I remember I'm always inspired whenever I give a public talk, you know, to write something like that. And mm. I brought the talk to a close in this crystallized version of the essence of what I was trying to say. And yeah. so I did, I did that. It was called Inspiring Talks in Brighton. And that is on my website. The talk is on my website because it's on YouTube. Yeah. Um, but yeah, gosh, that really moved me again. Just to yeah. thank you for just holding that little space yes. after I did it. Mm. <laughs> because it's like, oh, yeah, still resonates. <laughs> yeah. And then it shifts again and the heart expands and you're like, oh, yes. Exactly. That's why I do the work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, if if you were 
working to embody that it would be and you know it is already quite embodied but it's like you go through the layers and what does this mean to me now what does this mean today you really build all of those associations you know and at the end of that process you know some people will know it off by heart or certainly can take their eyes off the page because it's coming you know from within and then it becomes a gift you know those words can pop into your consciousness at any moment when they're needed it's like oh yeah that's the line I need right now Mm. that you live and you you get to see and experience and understand yourself as the person who um has has written this poem and is the person who's living who's living that poem yeah 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 what a Mm. gift yeah what an absolute gift yeah, well, that's arty wisdom in action. <laughs> it so is. <laughs> Multidimensionally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I love it when uh, it comes through in words like that, but I'm also really love when it comes through in image as well. Because, yeah. The, because the, I, I know for me, the visual art that I do is definitely a way of bypassing any need to try and articulate and left brain anything yeah. that is not it doesn't have the capacity to be articulated in words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? I mean, words are obviously amazing, yeah. you know, but there are other layers of, of ourselves that need to find that mirror too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always finding and collecting beautiful images. And I know when I do my weekly lives, I, it's often, you know, finding the image, the artwork Yeah. and um, to, to go with that is, is really key as well to find something because it brings a whole other dimension to to the work so and that is what we're about this is it's about the dimensions the multi-dimensional aspects of yourself yeah because we we show up as all that we are and so the more we know consciously that uh, all that we are the more we bring to the table consciously and the less it's being run by an unconscious program in terms of needing to be diminished or hidden or denied. Yeah. So this bringing into the fullness of yourself, the more that you can do that, the less you can be swayed and the less easily it is to collapse you from the external. Absolutely. Yeah, beautifully. I love that. And the thing that I particularly love about poetry is that, you know, it's one art form where you can completely embody it. All you need is, you know, your your if you if you remember it, you don't even need the words on the page, or you know, you have a, a note that you carry in your pocket. But other than that, you can one hundred percent embody a poem, and it actually rewires your brain. And there's been lots of studies of this where they've actually put people's black brains into, you know, scanners and and seeing the difference that poetic language yeah. makes in terms of rewiring because mm. it drops deep into our memories into our emotion centers it lights up parts of the brain that don't get switched on otherwise yeah. so it's really powerful um for uh, em- embodying and rewiring and having these new language and because some of the old programs and patterns are in language you know being able to rewire yes. that through this deep soulful embodied language is really really powerful um, yeah yeah it's really important isn't it yes some of the programming is in language and there needs to be that antidote yeah 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 my goodness me so what would you say then to people to listeners to listeners who are painfully shy or appearing to be shy because actually they feel within themselves that they are you know, um, not able to protect their energy um, from the external with the chaos that we live in in the world. <laughs> I mean, there's so it's 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 so easy to just walk out. I forget to put my energetic bubble on sometimes when I walk out into um, into Brighton, and I realise I should have stayed at home <laughs> mm. because it really is like that. No matter how much work you do, it's a daily practice to centre into your self-worth and you know come from your core and be be able to be present for yourself but not everybody can do that and it's a long journey to be able to do that and uh but we need starting points don't we yes we need need starting points everybody needs a simple 
a simple inroad so that they can go, actually, that's just manageable for me exactly where I am at this point in myself. So what would you say, where would you point people to begin in terms of using poetry? Yes. Um, well, in terms of using poetry, I can um, I can share. I've got a lovely, simple guide that I'll share with you called, oh, nice. called Using Poetry for Wholehearted Living. Um, and it gives a little introduction and it gives um, you know, some, some tips for working with the poem if you find it. And there's also a list of 50 poems for, for wholehearted living in there and also some recommendations for uh, beautiful poetry collections you know with a variety of poems so that's a great way to get started uh, with the poem and I think if you if you find the poem that speaks to you just you know bring it into your life so print it out put it on your phone you know have it where you can see it and just just read it walk with it you know move your body it's great when you're commuting or driving or even you know doing something um you know like hanging out the laundry you know it's something that you can bring in to those empty moments you know i've got a process in there that called no extra time doesn't require any extra time because i spent a lot of time doing deep work with poetry when i was a ceo when i was commuting uh, three hours a day and you know i just time was not uh, available to me but I didn't need extra time for working with the poem so they're all in that uh, poetry guide um, in terms of keeping your energy clear a very simple one that I use is just intention so just to speak quietly or just say in your mind I release all energies that no longer serve me I release all energies that no longer serve me and that can be like a little mantra uh, it's a very simple one. I do, you know, more advanced energy clearing, you know, with myself and with people. But um, but that's a really simple one. And another thing I love is just to act, pretend I'm a tree. So to sit down and just go, I've got tree. I'm a tree. I've got roots going down into the earth. I've got branches that are out all around me and I am inhabiting my own energy field so that there isn't so much space for other people's energies to come in. So be a tree, release all energies that no longer serve you. And there's lots of tips in the, uh, the guide for um, uh, different ways of working with poetry. But there's, there's a lovely poem that I would love to share. It's a yes, David please. White, White poem, which really, it's just encouragement for, and it's a bit of a mission poem for me, one of them, you know, for the creative life. So it's by David White, it's called What to Remember When Waking. In that first hardly noticed moment in which you wake, coming back to this life from the other, more secret, movable, and frighteningly honest world where everything began. There is a small opening into the day which closes the minute you begin your plans. What you can plan is too small for you to live. What you can live wholeheartedly will make plans enough for the vitality hidden in your sleep. To be human is to become visible while carrying what is hidden as a gift to others. To remember the other world in this world is to live in your true inheritance. You are not a troubled guest on this earth. You are not an accident amidst other accidents. You were invited from another and greater night than the one from which you have just emerged. Now, looking through the slanting light of the morning window to the mountain presence of everything that can be. What urgency calls you to your one love? What shape waits in the seed of you to grow and spread its branches against a future sky? Is it waiting in the fertile sea, in the trees beyond the house, in the life you can imagine for yourself, in the open and lovely white page on the waiting desk?
Just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. What urgency calls you to your one love? What shape waits in the seed of you to grow and spread its branches against a future sky? Because that's, you know, that's the becoming becoming the great oak tree from the acorn to the oak. And when you, the more you spread your branches against this future sky, the more you take up space with your own energy, the safer it becomes and you generate your own safety to become visible. But this line, you know, when I was setting up my business to be human is to become visible while carrying what is hidden as a gift to others as I oh that's that's my oh yeah mission statement for quiet introverted creative people it's like yes yes, this is this is what it's about oh absolutely Uh, yeah and, and we're totally aligned in that sense because that's what my mission is about remembering the treasure within yourself becoming so deeply aware of that treasure that you never betray yourself again Mm. that's become my mission statement Mm. yes and quiet committed presence cuts through the noise Mm. that's another one that just birthed you know when you wake up and you're half in a dream and I'm like oh what's that sentence just floating around in my partial consciousness and there it was I'm Mm. like wow Well, we've got these gifts for people because I'm going to put a link not only to your website, um, which will give you all other links to um, Renix Presence Online where you can access her. Um, But I'll also share the link that she's really kindly offered to the free download of those 50 poems, almost like a treasure starter pack for you to like dive in and see where you're resonating with those words of others so that you can begin to identify those unspoken parts of yourself. So that link will be below. And also below this is a link that I share as well, because I have a 25 minute guided visualization meditation, which is an inner journey into yourself to find the treasure and the gift that's offered from your higher self. Mm. And this is a, this is my offering for people to drop deeply into their heart and energetic space within themselves and remember their worth mm. and have the permission to expand into wholeness in full surrender, you know, and full permission to be exactly who they are and for that to be enough. Mm. Yeah, to fully inhabit to fully inhabit the incarnation that you chose to come to, which is what I believe, you know, it's like, okay, well, I'm here. Now, what am I going to do with it? I may have had those experiences where I needed to take maybe four decades to observe what was going on. Cause that was Mm -hmm. for me as well. I was well into my forties, you know, before this proper visibility journey started for me. You know, it's like, well, it might take that long. It might take longer. Or it might not take as long for some people. But that shift from I'm observing, I know I'm sensitive. I know I don't want to be loud and brash and harsh and in an ego fight or to be using conflict to get what I want. I don't want to live like that. Mm. And I'm sure there's many, many people listening that were like, Mm, that's me I'm more quiet I want to bring that quiet presence yeah to whoever I'm connecting with yeah and it's needed yeah it's needed it's an antidote to what we've been used to Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, it is absolutely yeah and that that sentence you said about how it cuts through the noise you know committed quiet committed presence cut through the noise so true absolutely so true Mm. Oh, what a delicious conversation. Yeah, I know. And there is a gentle power. I get that from people all the time because there's, you know, I have a, um, you know, I've got a powerful uh, part of me. Like when I was a CEO, I was like, you know, don't mess with me. Yeah. (laughs) Side to me. Yeah. But it's within gentleness. So there's, you know, the gentle power is real thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 
thank God. Mm. It's a real thing. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And it also gives you such permission to just go around your everyday life, just being, just being your magic, mm. just being it. You don't need to shout loud. You don't need to become famous. You don't need a huge social media presence to be able to affect the energy of people around you yeah. in a really beautiful way. Mm. Mm. Thank mm. you so much, Ricky. Oh, gosh. Well, I really hope people have enjoyed that. Um, I know I certainly have. Gosh, thank you again for holding a little bit of space for me there to just bring through my own remembering of when I write and um, yeah, I really hope people are inspired if they want to know more about your work, if they are a business, a soulful business, purposeful business leader or a creative or, you know, they want to hold transformational space for other people because they know they have gifts, too, that might be able to help people in some way. Please go to um, to to see Renick's work. And um, yeah, thank mm-hmm. you so much for that conversation. Yeah, you're welcome. Very aligned, very, very soulful. Thank you. Thank you so much.